This is crime scene investigator Chris G leading you under the police tape and into a crime scene. Join me as we discuss the ever-changing world of forensic science. Put on your PPE, ready your fingerprint brushes and experience the drama of a crime scene. Hello everyone, welcome to a uh, another podcast. Uh, I'm just going to uh, reflect on last week with Haley. It was a good laugh with Haley. She's yeah, she's really down to earth, bubbly, bless her. And um, she yeah, as every now and then has a funny story to tell. And I thought, well, who better to have as a guest this week than her kind of accomplice to most of her funny stories, <laughs> <laughs> Caroline. <laughs> Hi, Chris. <laughs> Hello, Caroline. <laughs> so, just yeah. just going back to that story, you were the uh, the co-pilot, weren't you, in that um, that one where you knocked on the wrong door? Is that right? <laughs> no. What made you think that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it may or may not have been me, and there may be more to that story. Oh, really? Um, yeah, as you can tell with the accents, perhaps that kind of put a spanner in the works as well. Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, turning up in a van as well never uh, <laughs> doesn't help your case. We're in uniform. <laughs> <laughs> but if anyone's seen the heads of us, to be fair, yeah, probably coming, yeah, smiling and laughing, yeah. <laughs> To be fair, credit where credit's due. If anyone didn't catch the story last week, um, basically the story was you and Haley knocked on a on a door, didn't you, to someone's house, thinking that they'd been burgled. In actual fact, it uh, it wasn't them at all, and uh, it resulted in that person putting in a report to say that two fake police ladies turned up on their doorstep. <laughs> make this stuff up no. stuff like this always happens to me and Hayley and I don't know what I don't know why I don't know why yeah but, but I, yeah. I, I was chatting to her the other day and wasn't um wasn't she the person that saw like saw you into the the office on the your very first day oh it was uh it was faith it was just faith that me and Hayley <laughs> were meant to be together it wasn't even the office I don't know why she was out in the yard yeah. No idea why she was out in the yard, but I bumped into her in the yard, and she's like, um, "Are you the new Sacco?" I was like, "Yes," <laughs> and we'd be quite similar in our personalities in a lot of ways. But Haley is really outgoing and fun and bubbly. Yeah, I'd be quite shy to begin with. Um, definitely well able for the chats for sure, but <laughs> it takes me a while to get used to someone. And yeah. Haley was just straight off, took me under her wing, and she'd already been in there. Um, she'd started, I think, a couple of days before. Oh, so you were so both was, relatively new at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she'd already started in the office and had got to know where everything was and who everyone was. She completely took me under her wing, bless her. And I suppose she still is to this day, <laughs> has me under her wing. But no, we've got, we've kind of been separated now. So we're in different offices um, and we're on different shifts, which I don't get to work with her as often as yeah. I, I'd love to. Yeah, I think probably more work gets done now, but... <laughs> <laughs> We are an amazing crime fighting duo. <laughs> when if you I turn up at the right so address. <laughs> when we get to the right place, yeah. <laughs> that was in the early days. And to be fair, we'd been given the wrong address. Uh, yeah, that's... Uh, or yeah. at least that's the story I'm going to stick to. Yeah, it's happened to me before. I ended up... Uh, there was a job um, in yeah one county, and I ended up going, well, to... Like from West Sussex to East Sussex, just because the person had the <laughs> the wrong address down. No, which is, and that's a long way to go. Yeah, but uh, thankfully I didn't knock on anyone's door before I realised I had the wrong address. <laughs> no reports were no. made. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. So uh, yeah, I'm going to kick off um, with just uh, like run through a few questions. Um, so, firstly, the listeners are sure to pick up on your accent. It's a li <laughs> little bit different from mine. Um, what made you move from Ireland over to the south coast of England? Well, the long and the short of it really was when I came out of university. I'd done archaeology in university and I was lucky enough to get some work when we came out first, but it was around the time of the recession in Ireland. Mm. So work dried up pretty quickly um I think I just kind of took that opportunity to 
with the fact there was no work, I just took the opportunity to come over here and do my master's, which I probably wouldn't have done otherwise. But it was either have no work and kind of be doing nothing or come and try and make something of it. Mm. Um, so I'd find the master's over here. I was only meant to come over for a year. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's kind of become a second home now. I'm well settled over here. Yeah. So how many years have you been over here now? Uh, ten, I think. Ten years. Yeah, ten. I was only supposed yeah, to be a year. Hasn't gone. <laughs> only a year. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear, but um, but yeah, you, you like it over here? Yeah, I do. I mean, look, there's there's nowhere that's quite like home. That's no. for sure. You know, all my family and most of my friends are still there, but I definitely have made a second a second home over here, and especially down down here where we are. You know, we're really lucky with with everything we've got down here you know you've got the sea beside you you've got beautiful countryside you're not too far from london i'm close enough to the airport to get home pretty regularly yeah. well not now obviously with covid but even last year you know i was getting home i was getting home every couple of months so it was kind of for me the best of both worlds i was getting to work the job i wanted to work um be in a really nice area but also getting to see everyone at home quite regularly yeah um i've I... I've visited Ireland um, once before, and I just love like walking down the street and just listening to all the music. Uh, yeah. I think Ireland yeah. has just got yeah such a fantastic like music culture to it. Yeah. Um, what's the price of beer like compared to over here? I wouldn't know, Chris. I don't drink. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty comparable, to be fair. And I've been delighted because since I've moved here, I found a little local pub that does a smash and pint of Guinness so I'm, I'm happy ice I'm yeah. here forevermore <laughs> you can't beat an Irish pint of Guinness though can you no <laughs> no but this one this one's a this one's a good second yeah oh excellent so let's talk about your career path so you just said you studied archaeology at university um and then from chatting to you previously you went on to complete a master's in anthropology and archaeology um yeah. When you did these courses, did you always know that you wanted to get into forensics or was it like a part of archaeology that just kind of interested you? Do you know what? I was thinking about this question when you sent it through and this is this is not a straightforward one because I think there's always been an interest in policing and forensics and crime scene but without actually knowing what the career was I wanted to get in. Mm. So the first thing I ever wanted to be was a police dog and that was after watching Turner and Hooch <laughs> so I'd set my ambitions pretty low to just being an overweight kind of wrinkly dog that worked alongside the police <laughs> and you know I'm not far off that at the moment my career goals are, are near yeah um, kind of the wrong species but yeah <laughs> <laughs> I was very young I must add that I think I was maybe like three or four or something <laughs> uh, very young I had a wild imagination um, and then, like, as I got older, I always had that interest. Like, cars in our yard used to be broken into or stolen a lot. Mm. And I remember one time my sister's car was broken into, probably was about nine or ten. And the next day I went out, I had gotten powder, like flour, um, like bacon flour, and one of mommy's makeup brushes and I'd gone and tried to fingerprint the car and I have no idea where I picked this up because this is pre-crime scene CSI Miami yeah. or anything was like that so it's probably like Scooby-Doo or something I don't know but so the interest has always been there um and I think it's just it's literally the way things have happened is what's led me over here so I think in school in secondary school um, I kind of career guidance we had and I would have been pushed towards joining the guards which is the Irish police mm. um, and I probably would have gone straight on to do that only for um, my mom wanted me to do a degree she's like do a degree and then you can go into the police so I just picked a degree of something that I was interested in and I loved archaeology loved it um, so I done that and then of course when I finished that degree there was the recession so the guards weren't hiring um, and it kind of led me off into this separate path and through doing the masters I got introduced to like how you can get into crime scene over here um, and all the different avenues of forensics which I'd never mm. really been exposed to before 
So it was kind of just really by chance I was led here, but I've always had that interest. Yeah. I'm all, I've always been nosy, basically. <laughs> or curious. We'll use the word curious. Yeah, you and me both. <laughs> but it's interesting, it's isn't it? Like what, like, what possessed you to kind of just get the flower and get a makeup brush if you, you'd never seen that on TV? Had you not... Like, I must have picked it up from, from yeah. something on TV, but I don't know. Like, this was pre-any, like, pre-any crime scene, CSI. You know, the way when that became a big hit. This yeah. is before right. any of that. Um... And I certainly wouldn't have been. My mummy wouldn't have allowed me to watch that. So I've no idea where I've, I where I picked it up, but I've picked it up from somewhere, and it's obviously yeah. it was obviously an interest. And that's I didn't get any idents that day. Oh. Did not solve the crime. Oh, that would be that would be fantastic if nine-year-old Caroline managed to yes solve that crime. I'm pretty sure I don't even think we no we wouldn't have had. No, we didn't. I don't think we ever had crime scene investigators out out for that. Like especially back then, you know. Yeah. Um, it wasn't those kind of I suppose crimes would have been. Yeah. Investigated so, in that way. But what did your uh, what did your mum think about you using her makeup brush? Well, it was probably just one of many things that was odd but made sense for me. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, but as long as you're not sat in front of the TV, I don't care what you do. Yeah, well, I hope you told her before she, you know, like put on makeup and then just ended up with <laughs> yeah, a white face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> you took a uh, master's in th- forensic anthropology. Um, the listeners will likely have an idea about what archaeology is, but maybe not anthropology. Are you able to explain what uh, anthropology is? Yeah, so I suppose the easiest way to kind of um, differentiate the two in a forensic context would be, so the archaeology, the forensic archaeology side of things would be to do with the search um, and the excavation for human remains. Mm. And then anthropology side of things would be the subsequent analysis of the remains to determine things like origins. Is it human? Is it animal? Um, how old is the individual how many individuals are there Um, is there any visible trauma you know things like that so that would be the kind of the main separation between the two I suppose but they can be quite interlinked as well yeah so like the archaeology is like the recovery side of things and the anthropology is more like the examination side of things is that fair to say yeah yeah pretty much pretty much and like you say, yeah, they're obviously going to intertwine because you need to sometimes recover the remains before you can identify them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's probably why they go fairly hand in hand. Um, so with your like forensic archaeology course, did that touch upon anthropology at all before you did a master's in it? Yes, but not in the same extent as it did. Obviously, we went way more in detail mm. in in the masters. But I'd been lucky enough to work on any of the digs I'd worked on. Um, they'd all involved, or pretty much all of them had involved human remains. Um, so normally there was always um, an anthropologist or an osteologist on site to to kind of do the analysis. So you're kind of always there to to hear the interpretations of it as well and see the interpretations so I had an idea of it before I went into the Masters, but definitely the Masters went way more in detail. Um, but obviously I'm a long time out of doing that now. Like that was, I think it's seven years, I'd say, before since I'd done my last dig. Yeah. Um, so yeah, long time out of, it, out of it now, but I'm still so interested in it. Um, and it, yeah, it's definitely, it's one of the most interesting, for me, the most interesting area yeah because yeah like my my interest is like bpa as you know bloodstain pattern analysis and when someone starts talking about it i yeah i just can't stop yeah it's probably the same yeah it's probably it's it's great to have it's great to have people like you in the force who have that interest and that background that because like i don't mind saying you know you helped me out with some blood pattern stuff and Mm. helped me to understand and interpret it um and I think that's really important to have that. I think it's important, you know, there's so many people across the force that have different interests or different mm. experiences that bring so much to the table. And it's great to be able to learn from, from people like that. Yeah, and well, and likewise as well, hence why you're, you're on this chat today. Um, 
but yeah, it's, it's like I I think it's good that we all have like different kind of areas that we sort of uh, specialize in or have like more of an interest in. Um, because then, like together, when we come together as a team, yeah, we've got all these strengths that we can just yeah, um, yeah work with, which is uh, which is great. I think. Um, have you uh, have you been on any kind of um, like excavation jobs since working for the police? Do you know, it's not something that obviously comes up no. very often. I think that the main thing that we tend to get is like washed up bones, and even then, we wouldn't always be directly involved with that but I was lucky enough actually when I first started um and I was straight out of of doing all this stuff um I worked on one job which was um skeletonized remains and I got to work alongside the archaeologist and that was that was really interesting one because that was in like a woodland kind of setting um and I suppose because of that kind of rural setting that's how they came to be skeletonized they they'd gone unnoticed for so long yeah um but those remains had been scavenged and dispersed by animals and obviously then because it's a woodland there was animal remains as well that were kind of dotted around so that was yeah it was really interesting to get to work that large kind of scene um and to to recover those that's been that's kind of been the only main one any of the other ones have always been animal remains yeah um because yeah, they are they are quite rare and kind of thankfully so in a way. Um, yeah, I wouldn't like to wish it upon anyone. No. But you know, if one of those jobs were to come up, I would be the first to put my hand up yeah. and go. Yeah, I bet too right. Um, but yeah, we get a lot of kind of animal bones, don't we? Where like people are say digging up their garden, um, and yeah, we'll come across some animal bones, or they won't know it's animal bones to start with. Um, I think my it's the dog walkers, Chris. Uh, dog walkers, big up the dog walkers out there. They are, Absolutely. yeah, Keep they going. are, the, yeah, the unsung heroes of society. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you, I've become a dog walker in the last two years. As in, yeah, I've got a dog now, and uh, the amount of stuff you come across. Um, it's... Any human remains, Chris? No, none, none yet. <laughs> thankfully, <yet>. no. <laughs> I'm still waiting. <laughs> It'll uh, never be us, though. No. I've been walking my dog now for, what, nine years, and I've not found anything. <laughs> it's a bit useless, though, to be fair. Yeah, I've come across a few suspicious characters, which, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no uh, no human remain- remains, thankfully. Um, but, yeah, I, I think my last, my last one that I was kind of involved with um, was there was someone that was digging up their, like, patio and things like that, and they found a load of bones that had been rolled up in lino. Um, so, yeah, like, obviously we... Um, that, that raised a lot of suspicion uh, straight away. Um, so the police officers sent me through uh, some images, I think, while they were at the scene, and then I just followed it, forwarded it on, sorry, to a anthropologist. And they yeah. came back straight away and said it was animal, animal bones. Yeah. Um, yeah, we were uh, kind of like, we were glad in a way, but then scratching our heads yeah. to, to say, what are these animal Why? bones? Yeah, doing wrapped yeah. up in lino underneath someone's patios. Very odd. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's the good thing I think um, with technology now is that we can just yes yeah, ping images to anthropologists. They won't necessarily have to Absolutely. come all the way to the scene. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's ideal at the moment. And um, generally speaking, you get your answers back so quickly. Yeah. Um, and it saves it saves time then, because otherwise, you know, potentially you're having to scene guard that until it's determined whether it's human or animal. Yeah. So time wise, like for the force, it's fantastic. It's a brilliant service. Yeah, because yeah, you've uh, obviously got resources that would then have to guard this scene and. Yeah. You got investigators that would uh, start doing some work on it. So if you can get that early answer, then yeah, it should um, release those police officers so they can go go to uh, other crimes yeah. <laughs> that are uh, undoubtedly happening. Um, I think we've kind of just <laughs> we've kind of just accidentally covered my next question, <laughs> which was basically like, have you been able to use your learning and experience as much as you'd like as a CSI rather than going and being an anthropologist? <laughs> In um, short, no. No, <laughs> no. I think we've just established that, haven't we? <laughs> no. Um, yeah, because I guess 
Someone um, described the role of a CSI similar to a GP. You know, like we are, uh, we have an, like a basic knowledge of lots of different practices. So like, for example, now we're talking about archaeology and it could be like bloodstain pattern analysis or um, fire scenes, that sort of thing. But whenever it gets really in depth and we need like an expert witness, that's when we call someone that just purely specializes in that field. Um, so yeah, like we would call in a like anthropologist, archaeologist for like if we've got say human m remains that need digging up um, and then we'd be there to assist, you know, like taking any exhibits that might help uh, forward the investigation. Um, but yeah, so yeah, we don't have a kind of um, di direct role in this sort of thing. We're not traveling the country doing it like some people. So yeah, you kind of just described us as a jack of all trades, master of none. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was trying not to say the whole master of oh, none Paris. thing. <laughs> but you've gone and done it now anyway, so might as well, yeah. <laughs> well, we're very good at packaging and powdering oh, and yeah. footwear and stuff. Yeah, making a mess with powders. and yeah. it's, it's made me um, into a fantastic like Christmas wrapper. Um, yes. Yeah, like all the stuff that we had to package. I'm sure you've packaged some crazy things over the years. Yeah, yeah um, definitely. But yeah, if, if anyone out there ever buys their other half or loved one a sofa and they need that packaging, I've done that before. <laughs> <laughs> if you were, you should do like a, a how-to video coming up to Christmas. Yeah. How a CSI guide to how to <laughs> package something in a really, really... Yeah. neat beautiful way and it's got to be completely like um there can't be any gaps in it either can no. there because then the uh the evidence it, it would lose its integrity wouldn't it if um yeah no if, shortcuts here no so yeah if um if you want your christmas presents wrapped up so no one can see inside at all <laughs> then, <laughs> yeah. if i start doing my signature over like the ends of the tape just to so it can't be tampered with, and then I think I've probably gone too far with Christmas presents. Have you not done that with Christmas presents? <laughs> no. I've done it accidentally, like oh, it's a force you? of habit. You put the tape down, and then it's like, oh no, I don't need to sign this. <laughs> yeah, no, that's happened. Oh, brilliant. But, um, but yeah, like they all need labels, don't they, all these Christmas presents? But uh, yeah. probably a little bit different to like our exhibit labels. It ruined the surprise as well, like if we said, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> one times rocking horse. <laughs> Oh dear, we've taken a swerve now, haven't we? We have, we have. <laughs> this is bound to, be, to happen. Yeah, it's supposed to be talking about archaeology and whatnot, and yeah. <laughs> we've, uh, yeah, gone on to wrapping Christmas Diverse. presents. Yeah. Um, I mean, if if this is what me and you are like, then you can only imagine what you and Haley are like most of the time. <laughs> it's wild. It is wild. <laughs> Hence why I'm pretty sure... There's been something put in place that we're not allowed to work together. Yeah. It's just, everything goes against us to work together. Yeah. Um, so the common question that I'm always asked whenever I go to a scene with Bones is, um, how old are they? How, yeah. And yeah, can can you predict how, how old it is? Um, are you able to explain why this can be quite tricky? I'll give it a good whirl. <laughs> um, so I think the main problems with it will be and it'll depend it'll depend whether the remains you're looking at are in the ground so they're a burial mm. or it'll depend whether they're like we were talking about earlier like washed that's a long bone that's been washed up um, and see so it's no contextual information mm. but there are so many variables that affect the decaying process and um, so it'll be things like the environment um, the condition of the bones itself, whether they're in anything, scavenging activity mm -hmm. by animals, um, all these things, and there are only a few, but all these things affect the decay process. So you can have bones that look much older than they actually are, and vice versa, you can have bones that look, they're pretty well preserved, um, but actually they're quite old. Mm. Um, and I think, yeah, depending on, like if you've got a well-trained archaeologist, they'll be able to look in, say, we'll talk about buried remains, they'll look at it in a burial context. Um, and what they'll look for is information like so, any artefacts within the, the grave that might give a clue about how old the remains are, mm. or 
maybe even things on the bones themselves. Um, so like, I don't know, metal work, things like hip, knee replacements, that kind of thing. Yeah. Or dental work, things like that. Anything like that that would kind of give an idea of whether it's of um, police interest or not, or whether it's archaeological. So I think police interest is generally around 70 years. I'm not entirely sure on that, but I think it's about 70, 70 years. Um, the other thing as well is, like, an archaeologist look at contextual information within the grave itself, like, so what it relates. They'll also do, like, desk research as well. So they'll be looking at, you know, is there an old grave site that's, that's there? Things like mm. that. And they'll piece all of it together. Um, but for things like that, that maybe there is no information to be gained or the long bones. Um, what they generally do then is they would be sent for uh, C14 dating or carbon 14 dating. Um, that's kind of really useful and it's particularly accurate usually for more modern remains. So in the 1950s and 60s with the kind of the nuclear testing and stuff that went on there was a big spike and um, so generally speaking when when you're alive you're absorbing c4 c14 throughout your life mm. um, and then when you die it starts to decay at a known rate um, and that can be measured that's called half-life and that's what's measured so because of the nuclear testing and stuff there was a spike so that's easier then for them to determine um, and kind of get a closer date as to how old they are. So the last time we had a long bone um, wash up that I know about, that was then for C14 dating. Mm. Um, and yeah, that's generally yeah, pretty accurate, like up to a couple of years either side. It's it's really accurate. I see. Um, so yeah, that's kind of it in a nutshell. If anyone knows anything different, please do tell me. Because, <laughs> like I said, it's been a while since I've done this stuff. So, but the more, the older the remains are, the kind of further apart the estimation gets. So the more recent stuff is is close. So you can have plus or minus, say, a couple of years either side. But when you get older, archaeological remains that plus or minus gets much bigger. I see. Um, so yeah, no, it is particularly useful for for us then for a forensic kind of and policing context. It's, yeah. it's particularly useful. Yeah, and I guess if yeah you just come across a bone and there's nothing else that is there buried with it, like you say, no artifacts. Um, you haven't got any say like um, dentist work or anything because I mean like as dentist work and stuff like you said knee replacements and that um, technology would advance, then you can kind of. If you've got like one of these silver fillings, I, I don't think dentists do silver fillings anymore. Um, so yeah, if if you've got like a silver filling, you're able to kind of work out that okay, the person's not going to be really young because yeah, they've got yeah more kind of like up to date um, dentistry work. Whereas yeah, if you start getting silver fillings, then you think okay, so this person's gonna the youngest they're gonna be is I don't know, however <laughs> however old um, you are when they stop doing that. Um, but yeah, I, I had no idea about this um, this carbon um, analysis. So yeah, it's... it's generally what they do with any of our stuff that's been washed up and has no mm. contextual information. So they've absolutely no idea whether it's archaeological or whether it's whether it's recent because there's nothing there's nothing contextual for it. And obviously, yeah. being in the sea, then you're talking about it could be quite well worn and stuff. So yeah i thought well that's definitely what they've done for the last one that, that i know about anyway yeah um and no idea of the update as to what it was because oh. it, it never came back to us it would have been interesting though yeah, to get definitely. the reports on that but you know yourself it bypasses us sometimes the yeah. report. we kind of come in do our bit give the evidence and then go to the next one um yeah and because we don't have that kind of i guess like ongoing um what am I trying to say? Like, yeah, there's not really an ongoing need for no. us. It's literally just the scene, and then that's that's pretty much that's our work done. Yeah. yeah. So I think yeah, it's kind of easy to forget us, particularly like if an investigation's been going on for like six months to a year, um, and we only had that part really, really early on. Yeah, it's probably easy to forget us on that mailing list. <laughs> We're pretty forgettable. Yeah. <laughs> well, not you and Haley. <laughs> 
your arms. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, what differences might you be able to find between a male and female skeleton? I think this is one of those things where the more complete of a skeleton you have, the more reliable um, the assessment would be. Mm. So the main kind of differences are noted in the skull and the pelvis. So for example, with the skull, one of the things is the ridges above your brows are generally more prominent in a male. Mm. Um, And then with a female, the pelvic girdle is generally wider to allow for um, childbirth. Childbirth, But there's always exceptions to the rule. So you can have females that have um, areas that are typically more associated with, with male um, forms, mm. and, and same for males as well. So the more complete the skeleton is, so the more things you have, the more kind of diagnostic areas you have that kind of fall yeah. in the same category, then the more reliable it is. But there is always exceptions to the rule. Yeah. But yeah, no, like, again, it's one of those things the, the more you have, the more the more reliable your assessment can be. Yeah. I guess if you've just got, I don't know, like a, a femur and that's about it, then you're yeah. not really going to yeah, yeah. be able to tell no. if it's male no, or female. No. No. Okay. Uh, so a scenario I have, I have for you is uh, for a job that I had. So someone calls in to say they've been planting a nice new rose bush in their back garden and whilst <laughs> digging up, they find uh, what they think are bones. Um, what would be the response from us and police officers? <laughs> you went with the rose bush again and not the dog walkers. You're not giving the dog walkers <laughs> any credit here, are you? <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll backtrack. <laughs> You've been yeah, think... walking through woodlands and uh, the dog has dug up a nice bush and <laughs> found a bone. <laughs> Come back Taking to the owner. Yeah. <laughs> Chewed it a bit. Yeah, yeah, chewed it a bit. Just lobbed it around, dropped it, dropped at the owner's feet, and after the third, a good yeah, after the third throw, um, the owners then thought, "Hang on a minute, what is this? It doesn't quite feel Wait like a minute. stick." Yeah, <laughs> and it, yeah, it ends up being a bone. So, what, what would we do in that scenario? So, I think the generally when people ring it in. Um, it's either ourselves tends to be the officers that go first, but sometimes mm. it does come to us first. Um, and our first course call is to go out there, take a photograph with scale, and get it sent to our identification services, which we spoke about mm. earlier, um, which are on hand. I think they're twenty four seven, aren't they? I think so. Yeah, at least, at least anyway. Um, and they're the first thing we need to determine really is whether it's human or animal, because obviously if it's animal, it's of no interest to uh-huh. us. Um, so the first thing is to find out whether it's human or animal, uh, which will be done by the identification services. Um, and then the next protocol is, if it's human, then is to look at how old is it. Um, so are we talking about archaeological remains, mm. which obviously are not of interest to the police, or are they more recent? Um, and at that point, it you'd be calling out the archaeologist or the anthropologist to come out and have a look. If it's if it's the, like we were talking about first, the buried remains. Yeah. Um, and they've got a context. And definitely that would be to have the archaeologist out there and to have a look and see if there's anything, any of that contextual information that will give them a clue um, as to how old they are. Yeah. Um, and then it'll be taken from there. Then once they get an idea of whether it's human or animal, whether it's older, you, and it's taken from there then. Mm. Um, and I guess yeah, the, they they probably look at the history of where it's been collected from as well before kind of racing out there. Um, Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, because uh, I I remember right, yeah, there was a there was a bone that was found by fishermen um, a few years ago, and it turns out that they were fishing where they weren't supposed to be, and it was like a well-known sea burial site. Um, so obviously they found human bones, but because it was found from a sea burial site then yeah. yeah it um the interest kind of died down after that yeah um, yeah there's been a couple of them as well like with erosion along the coastline and stuff um there was a few in one particular area um that had come up kind of pretty soon enough after one another and that was um, an old burial that was starting to get exposed because of erosion 
Um, so yeah, the kind of the bones were starting to drop out off the side of the the bank. Um, but yeah, like that's where your archaeologists would come in. They'd be doing the desk research and stuff, yeah. and maybe coming out to scene as well, depending on on what information they've got. Yeah. Oh, that sounds like something from a horror film, doesn't it? Just bones. Bones dropping out the sides. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dropping down the sky. <laughs> yeah. Um. And I guess, yeah, so then when we're at the scene, so we've got a scene of, um, like, human remains that have been found and we're working alongside an archaeologist, um, they would be recovering the bones, uh, which would then go to the mortuary um, for, like, a pathologist to look at, I guess, and then they'd look at, um, like, any signs of injury and things like that. Um, and I guess we'd be like working with the archaeologists just to see if there be like any there be any exhibits for us to recover. So say if they're buried with anything that might give an indication as to either who they are or how they died, um, then we'd be looking to do that. Um, is there anything else that we might might do at the scene? Um, well, you might get the anthropologist out scene as well. Like if you've got a, a pretty full set of remains, I mean, mm. it'd be pretty useful to have the archaeologists and or the anthropologist there. To cut, the, sometimes some of the assessment can be done in situ. Like if things are really obvious to them, um, they might even be able to say straight away, right, well, I know by looking at this, or I'm 90% certain this is a female and we're probably looking at an age range of, say, 25 to 35, you know, this mm. kind of thing. And just any obvious things um they'd be able to make some of that assessment there are any obvious injuries as well like a, a good archaeologist an anthropologist would be able to determine like things like um sometimes when bones are in the ground they can become damaged while they're in the ground mm -hmm. through just natural kind of processes and stuff but they'd be able to determine you know uh, say an injury like uh, trauma to the head so like crush bone whether that was before or or after um so yeah generally speaking i think they'd, they'd try and get to a scene like that um while the remains were in situ and then they'd obviously follow it through like the anthropologist then would would have a look at it then after as well when they've been recovered and look at it in more detail then mm. um but yeah no it's it's pretty fascinating job that these guys have like it's it's really interesting and i really enjoyed doing um well i enjoyed working in archaeology and stuff as well but i really enjoyed doing my masters and like seeing how it's applied to forensic cases is yeah. is fascinating like some of the stuff that they can do you know you hear of really skilled archaeologists who've been able to excavate um graves and see cut marks and stuff like from shovels and that to show that it was like a deliberate burial and they'll, they'll pick up on little things that it's just fascinating like yeah. it's really really interesting yeah Cre credit to them like it's it's brilliant like i'd love to, i'd love to work alongside them more but obviously you don't <laughs> you don't want these cases to come up at the same time <laughs> yeah no it's uh, it's funny isn't it like yeah you really want to um have the experience of working on such great cases, but cases, but then you, yeah, you never wish you don't it. Don't want them no. to happen, yeah. <laughs> no, of course, definitely not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like they, they, uh, they go through so, so much detail, don't they? Um, it's such fine work that they do, and the th oh, they're, they're an asset. To, yeah. To like that, they really are. Yeah. Um, and if they're able to say narrow down, like, oh, we think we've got a male and they're between the ages of 40 and 50 then for an investigator they think well fantastic now i know that i can go onto like the, the missing one. persons database yeah, yeah and yeah. see who would be missing um that would kind of fit that age um as to how old they are um and then you'd have like a rough estimate of how long ago it was that they died perhaps um so yeah then for an investigator they the anthropologists and archaeologists are just key to that yeah it's golden it yeah. really is oh well um i think we're almost done uh i was going to ask you a final question what are the parts of this job that you really enjoy caroline you know this job is a game of two halves isn't it like on one side 
it is. I think Haley said this as well. Like it can be emotionally and physically draining. Mm. Um, but on the other side, it is one of the most fulfilling and rewarding jobs. Um, for me, I think the best part, definitely the best part for me, is the people, and that's kind of both colleague-wise or you know working with external agencies and the victims as well. Yeah. Um, it's just we're really lucky we get to meet people and go places because of a job that you'd never ever otherwise get an opportunity yeah. and I re- I've met the most fascinating people who told me the most fascinating tales of their lives and stuff and you know aside from that as well is getting the opportunity to spend most of your time working on your own like a lot of the time is working on your own yeah but yeah. I also love those golden opportunities when you get to work with colleagues um or when you get to work with people from like the archaeologist or the anthropologist or whoever it might be the scientists that come out or the fire investigators um it's just really nice i really enjoy that um and like we said earlier you know i think for me what started out as probably one of the most daunting things about the job was that there was so much to learn so i didn't come from any kind of police background or anything so when I started, I had to learn all the systems, all the like, all the police lingo and stuff, and the phonetic alphabet. Like, wh- I've never come. It's like R for rhino. I, I don't know. So all close. Things, all these little things, and it was really daunting. And then on top of that, like learning your scene work as well. Like, what powder goes best with what? was like what way to package this what way to package that i found it so daunting to begin with it's like where do i begin and then somewhere along the line you just get your baseline you get your basics and there's a lot of stuff that just is second nature and then i think that's the part i really enjoy you can sit back then and enjoy learning the stuff that doesn't come up very often so even for me like doing the blood pattern stuff with you or you know, when you get to go to a fire scene, like that's quite like an archaeology scene. Mm. Like I look at a fire scene and I think, God, it's very black. <laughs> I don't I don't know. Everything is covered. Where do I begin? And then you've got your fire scientist like Enu comes in and yeah. they talk you through the whole thing. It's so enjoyable to work alongside them. And yeah. I especially love doing it because it's kind of like an excavation and I love it. Um, and it's just really nice to work alongside. But it's just really good to learn from people like that. And I think the day I feel like I know everything, I think, is the day I have to step away from this job because yeah. you never know everything. No. Um, and there's something gone wrong then if you think you know it all. There's something definitely gone wrong. Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, I've, I'm not uh, not embarrassed to say that, yeah, there's so still so much stuff that I, I can learn and I've been doing it, what, 11 years now. Um, yeah. Like, I was with Ian, uh, Ian, so our fire scientist, on podcast number three, if you haven't listened to it. And uh, yeah, he was uh, the last fire I dealt with with him. Um, he told me that there'd been an explosion. It, the fire had obviously gotten like so hot it then popped the windows out. And he was showing me the kind of linear, kind of parallel marks. Uh, sorry, yeah. like cracks on the glass and things. And it's just where the pressure has yeah like pushed yeah. this window out. But yeah, it was just it was just fascinating. Like I'd never never knew that. Hasn't um, Ian got? patience of a saint i drive him <laughs> mental i think at scenes because i'm just questions 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 and then like is there anything i could do to help <laughs> and then questions 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 but it's you know i think you have to take advantage of these um situations when you're yeah. lucky enough to have experts because we don't get them for every single scene so i think it's really useful and plus my own curiosity i just mm. i just like i like to learn um yeah, and I think for me that's another it's another big side of the job, the people and the learning. Yeah. Um that's that's what's I think that's what gets us all through really, isn't it? Because it is challenging and especially at the moment, you know, there's so many changes going on. Um and for me they can sometimes make it just more more challenging because you're obviously having to learn all these uh well not necessarily new processes, but they could be new to you, they could be different to what you would normally do. Um, and I think it's it's all these extra little things like working with people and all those little things that we spoke about that kind of just 
they override those negatives like every job has its downside there's no job is perfect but i think this is just it's fulfilling it's fun yeah um like there's hardly a day that goes by that you know we've not found something to be laughing about or you know when you're chit-chatting to someone even from the other offices and stuff um it's just great it's it's nice to be able to do that it's nice to have a a network of of people across our force that i never feel stuck um when i'm on a job and you know i don't know there's something that's come up i'm like i don't know what i'm doing here i haven't done this before you know there's always someone to call yeah there's always yeah always someone at the end of the phone that will know the answer which except when you call out Oh yeah, then no and one knows. Else. <laughs> yeah. And then it's you that needs to, uh, yeah, give all the answers. <laughs> but I think what I love about the job, you kind of touched off on it, is yeah, going to like victims' houses and things. It's so nice to just go around someone's house and not ask them for like money at the end of it. <laughs> like say, <laughs> say if someone's like boiler breaks down, then yeah, you, you go, you fix their boiler, and then you ask them for money and. If, uh, it is a privilege. It's a yeah. privilege to be able to go into people's houses at their most vulnerable yeah. time. And I think it's just like burglaries are bread and butter. And for me, I still really enjoy doing a burglary. And that's mm. because of the people. Yeah. Um, you know, they're not exactly the most exciting thing scene wise. They can be. But normally there's, you know, there's not a huge amount that, that can be done or you're doing kind of the same thing. But for me, it's the people that make it. Yeah. Um, and it definitely is a privilege to be like to be allowed into people's homes like that when they've been through something like generally speaking for most people, it's a pretty traumatic thing to have happen to them. Mm. Um, and yeah, no, I love nothing more than, than going in. And, you know, even if you can walk away feeling like, Look, you might not have caught the criminal there and then because there is no fingerprints, there is no blood for DNA or they haven't dropped anything, things like that. But when you can walk away and you know that you've given them a little bit of peace of mind and they're kind of happy with that, like, that's that's a pretty good feeling. Yeah. and um, Obviously, you want to catch the criminals, but yeah. it's, not, it's not always the way. Yeah, but it's, it's nice to, to do that and not ask for anything in return. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. Which, yeah, like I said, like if if your car breaks down or if your boiler breaks down, the wa- water's spraying out of a, a pipe <laughs> or something, it's always going to be a bill at the end of it. Um, yeah. So yeah, whatever goes wrong in your home or or whatnot, yeah, there's always going to be a bill. But if if you're burgled or something, then we'll be there to help for free. Um, yeah, for free, basically. With a smile on our face. Yeah. <laughs> And I guess what these people could do is they could just say like, "Oh, the CSI came round, which is a free charge, but they accidentally broke my boiler. Can you, uh, <laughs> can you, can you get someone from the police insurance to come fix it for me?" <laughs> Thankfully, there's been no incidents of that. The worst thing I've done is I've spilled powder on someone's car. Oh. I'm like, "Oh, the guilt! Oh, the guilt!" Yeah. And they're like, normally they're like, "Oh, don't worry, I'll clean it up." And you're like, "No, you have enough to be dealing with." <laughs> Let me sort it. Yeah, I think the the two worst things I've done <laughs> is um well one was someone had like a really dodgy paint job on their car. I think they got it done quite cheap. <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> and so I put down like the fingerprint tape on it, pulled it up, and just the paint just ripped off this car. <laughs> And, oh my god, like, my face and her face, who owned the car, were just exactly the same. We could not believe it. Um, and then the, the other one was, uh, I went into, uh, say, someone's house, and they just had it refurbished, so they had all new carpets down and everything. Um, and then went into their back garden, didn't know that I'd trodden something. Oh no! Then, oh, actually, you know that has happened to me as well. Oh, yeah, and then walked it all the way through their yeah the new newly laid carpets, um, but thankfully, things happen. <laughs> thankfully, the police have like insurance for these sorts of things. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, to cover our, um, yeah, our I, th- I think I, yeah they know me by first name that department, <laughs> insurance department. So. Um, 
Yeah, I think we sent out a, a loss adjuster to um, the car and we sent a professional cleaning company to, <laughs> to do the carpets after that. I so. think, no, to be fair, I think that standard in uh, X-Rent has definitely happened us all. Yeah. But I also, not only dog, but I had it on one scene where I actually stood in human. Oh, Yeah. Crikey. Yeah. Yeah, you see, it happens. There's always a first. Yeah. There's always a first for everything in this job. Yeah. <laughs> that was an unpleasant experience. Yeah, I bet. Oh, yeah, and I thought I had a strong stomach. Hmm. I don't know. I don't yeah. know what the different like. What's the difference between dog poo and human poo, really? Well, but a, one is so much well, more gross. Well, I was gross, not isn't... expecting the human poo to be where it was, but hmm. because it was, it was like, in a, uh, it was in a nappy. So that's how I knew it was human. But the nappy was in a garden. Right. So, you know, I wasn't expecting the nappy to be in a garden. No. Of course, my boots walk straight through it. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're not really, like, looking out for, yeah, human poo and nappies when you walk into someone's no. garden, are you? No. Yeah. Oh, dear. Well, on that note... On that, <laughs> <laughs> on, on that bit, very lovely note. <laughs> um... Why don't we wrap it up? Absolutely. <laughs> oh, it's uh, it's been an absolute pleasure, Caroline. Thank you so much for uh, coming you. on and chatting. Oh, thank you. And yeah, I'm sure we'll speak in the future, no doubt. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. We might even cross paths on a scene soon. Although, no, we don't really share similar patterns, shift patterns either, do we? No, I think um, I'm just after Haley, so yeah, I work quite a fair bit with Haley. Yeah. Like, so, see, so you're lucky. Yeah. That's because you're responsible, Chris. <laughs> so they put you as Ailey. <laughs> I tell you what, since we've been working from home, I've got so much more work done. <laughs> uh, I can't think why. No. Sometimes, yeah, I just say, oh, I'm just popping home for my dinner slash do my whole reports in peace without Ailey talking at me. <laughs> that doesn't sound like Ailey at all. Yeah, <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Who is this woman? She used to be so quiet when she was asleep. <laughs> oh dear. Well, thank you so much, Caroline. And no, thank uh, you. yeah, and stay tuned. Um, my next podcast should be out in uh, another two weeks. So I'll see you all then. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye, Caroline. Bye. Chris. Bye. This is Crime Scene Investigator Chris G signing off. Thank you for joining me and I hope you enjoyed listening. Be sure to subscribe and follow my social media at CSI Chris G. Until next time, stay safe out there and I'll see you at the next crime scene. background but that's my dog drinking oh really <laughs> he chooses his time wisely i'm gonna move i thought you were just a sloppy drinker well oh, i finished my tea now <laughs> he's finished now as well there oh, we go right we're back in action let's okay. go <laughs>